0: Hey, this is professional cool person Kate Bresnahan, and you're listening to Adrian Has Issues.
1: Hey guys, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. Now, if you haven't figured it out by now, I am a huge fan of the sci-fi genre. My parents raised me on some really great movies, especially the stuff in the 80s. But what was great about the stuff in the 80s is that sci-fi had a tendency to be blended a lot with horror. And as I got older, I realized those two genres, like, there really is no greater marriage between sci-fi and horror So, with that in mind, today's guest I'm really excited to talk to. He is the creator behind a series called Dark Moon, which is a comic book. I mean, you've got soundtracks. like You pretty much run the whole gamut on multimedia with this. To talk more about it is Tom Freeman. Tom, how's it going?
0: Hey, doing great. To uh, touch on what you were saying about the 80s, I'm a huge fan of old sci-fi or older sci-fi, and um, I was just thinking about it the other day is... One thing I like about that whole genre is it didn't always take itself so seriously. You know, you could just have fun with the movies, not necessarily question everything that's technical about it. Sometimes now with sci-fi horror, which is not even, there's not that much right now. And I love a lot of them, but sometimes just horror movies in general seem like they're just way too serious. Whereas like, that's the reason people like that old eighties, nineties horror is they were having fun with those series and, and it was just more fun to watch, you know? So, um, That's one thing I think we have with Dark Moon. I'm happy it came out kind of lighthearted, even though, you know, people are getting murdered and all this stuff. It's a serious (laughs) sci-fi horror story, but it's kind of just like you read it, you don't take it seriously. You know, it's just good old fashioned fun. So that's one thing I can definitely uh, relate to about 80s horror.
1: Was that sort of your idea when you created the story was capturing that feel or is it just more of, hey, I actually just want to tell a sci-fi story that has a little bit of fun to it?
0: really, I didn't know how it was going to go. I'm not naturally a storyteller. I have a musician background, music production. I, I you know, engineer and do other things in that genre. But I, I've always uh, read a lot and I've always, I you know, I have story ideas that I've always had. But uh, how it was going to come out was kind of a mystery. I just knew uh, I wanted to combine this music I was doing with some type of visual story where someone could go from here to there. And it's the music is like really the center of it, even though there's the story, the the pictures, the action. And, you know, there's a couple other things that do it that way where it's just kind of music driven, but it's kind of rare, too. So I was just looking for something like that.
1: What really fascinated me was the music aspect, because if anyone who's listened to previous episodes of this show or checked out the music blog on my website is that music is a very big part of my life from the moment I was able to even comprehend what music is. And I like the idea because whether I'm writing, playing video games, just even washing dishes, music is just always in the background. And it pretty much dictates my entire life. So I love that that was also incorporated here. Because look, you actually have several soundtracks that are pretty much companion pieces to the story itself. Now, with Dark Moon, is the soundtrack itself something that you can actually listen to by itself?
0: It was kind of designed to be listened to by itself, especially the number one soundtrack. Um, The number one soundtrack was my first idea, just the issue one. The original idea in my head was you listen to music either streaming or on a CD or something, and you just kind of transported to a a place that you wouldn't get if you didn't have the combination of the two. And so they were designed for each other but to be read or listened to separately. Eventually what I found was that Motion Comics – which I really didn't know much about. Um, I knew, you know, I've seen a couple on, like, Halo or Dead Space. But um, it just, it lent itself to kind of combining the music and the art uh, more. But the original idea was kind of separate soundtracks, separate print comic. Um, And I think, number one, the first comic, to answer your question... You can just listen to it as an album. It has some some great cameos from some great rappers. I'm from the Bay Area, and it has uh, some of my rapping heroes from childhood, like Ad Capone from Totally Insane. And uh, but what's amazing about it is these are like hardcore gangster rappers from like the '90s. But what they're doing is they're rapping about the comic without swearing, without um, you know, without even it's just their their storytelling. It's for someone that's into that that's heard them before. You would never guess they would do a song like this. You know, I had Chunk, you know, and he loves comics, too. So it it was a unique kind of album. You can kind of experience the music in a whole separate way than the comic. And then it kind of blends together. It's kind of a strange world where you can mix and match the pieces.
1: And that makes total sense because most hip hop artists are storytellers. That culture is very ingrained, especially with guys like, let's say, Wu Tang, who, you know, had blended, let's say, hip hop with martial arts. They were almost in a way comic book characters in and of themselves. So I always yeah. love that marriage between hip hop and comic books because it just really goes hand in hand.
0: It's a cool intersection and it's only been explored a little bit. Like, I read a website article on some of like, the five worst examples of it or whatever, but there's a couple out there where, like, rapper, I think even Wu Tang might have done one comic or someone. Someone did like a – someone pretty legit did one, and I think Busta Rhymes had one. Or, or you know, it's just – um there's these weird examples of it, and I think it's something that has to be explored a lot more. Um, I know there's a couple – I've been to some comic conventions and stuff, and I see some other guys that are doing, you know, hip-hop plus comics together in this unique world. Like one of the cool things about Dark Moon is um, the, the animation – for the motion comic is is there, and it's really easy to pop in other music. So um, it would be easy to do like a remix of the motion comic with a whole different style of music, like metal or something, and it would be a whole different experience. But the the you know the story would still be the same. So that's that's I mean, you know it's it's open to um, interpretation, really. Like it's I kind of want to try that with the idea.
1: I would love that a lot.
0: Yeah, it's, it's open to that. You know, it's just, it's really actually easy to completely change the feel of something just by switching the music in and out. My music is kind of like this moody electronic music, different influences. I play a lot of live instruments, but, uh, you know, I also had some people like one guy did a um, dubstep track that really worked for an action scene. But seeing a whole different style would be great. I wanted to kind of create kind of an open world for people to kind of use it as a filter, So I'm kind of hoping to do more collaboration as I go with it. I've been really busy just trying to finish the story, kind of take it where it's going. But, you know, the the opportunities are kind of endless for for kind of mixing and matching genres and art and music in different ways.
1: So let's get into the story a little bit. Now, for those who may not know, what is the general story behind Dark Moon?
0: Yeah, it's about a um, scientist in the uh, late 22nd or let's see. What are we in right now? The late 21st century. Um so it's like 2070 something. He's just kind of been working on transportation technology. He has a prototype and before he's got it really down and it's it's kind of just pointed at this random moon that might have life, they have a meteor that's um or an asteroid that's that's gone off course. It's about to hit Earth. So what he has to do is transport himself and a couple people he can find around him and uh what they do is they uh, transport to a uh, this moon that they were it was already targeted. And so to, to escape this asteroid disaster on Earth, they, it, which was just kind of destroying the whole Bay Area of California, San Francisco, and the, the whole area, they, they have to just get away. So it doesn't destroy the whole Earth. They have to get away. And they end up on this crazy moon. Um, they find out there's creatures there. This is where it's kind of like the 80s horror thing. It's got some alien for the, more from the 90s really, or I mean, well, I guess Alien actually goes back to the 70s, late 70s. But you know, it's got that whole alien type of vibe and and a little more kind of not cheesy, but it's just it, we just have fun with it. You know, it's just kind of a monster feature type of thing. And then yeah, they're stuck on this moon with these creatures. They find an alien base, and they're finding out what to do. Can they get back? They have limited oxygen, so it's just kind of one of those sci-fi horror survival type of things. And then set to some really moody electronic music, just kind of creates this really awesome atmosphere. And the artist that did the art for it, I, I found him, um, and he just did this awesome kind of painted style it looks like oil painting a lot of the time what
1: was really fascinating about the project is the art style is really unique because you're right it is more of a painting style as opposed to your more traditional i would say comic book art
0: style i just happened to find the artist on deviantart i just was looking one night for an artist that could pull off something like what i had in mind he was um the first person i contacted um he lives across the earth it's, he lives in the Philippines. I just reached out to him. He's never done a comic before, but he had awesome art, um, and he agreed to try it out. We uh, did, you know, a part of an episode, then we did a full episode, and then we just kept going with it. Um, yeah, and he's been—he has a great style. He's a more of a concept artist for video games. That's mainly his background, and he does these, you know, awesome alien and creature designs, and he does these like robot samurai type of stuff. I would love to create a story just to use like those guys because he makes these awesome little characters. So, yeah, he, he has this awesome kind of repertoire, and uh, it just kind of fit with what we were doing. And, um, yeah, the style works for us because I think to pull off a traditional comic, I don't have the background. You know, I didn't know all the right artists to do the shading, and, to, you know, I still have an industry kind of background. So this, he does it kind of all in one, this just quick-draw style. It's kind of psychedelic in a way. It's kind of impressionist from, you know, it fits the mood. So that that just happened to work really well.
1: As we're coming along in the comic book industry or even entertainment, there's a lot of people who I still feel are maybe a little, I don't want to say intimidated, but they may be put off by a certain style because, you know, traditionally, comics really only look like one or two things. But I like the idea that people are now starting to incorporate so many different styles that you normally wouldn't associate with comic books or even just multimedia. So I, I think that's actually being a little ahead of the curve.
0: I don't think I could pull off the other way of doing it. And I'm also just kind of in general, I've kind of always not been a real traditionalist as far as how things can get done. Other people are always going to do traditional comics better than, you know, what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm new to the scene. And so I figured, you know, might as well just do it our own way. And, uh, you know, what I was really surprised at is comic book fans and the, the critics that have looked at it have all not criticized that part of it because some of our stuff kind of comes off as, you know, not fitting of like what a traditional comic would be, but right. people have appreciated it the whole, the whole way. And we do. Luckily, I found this great person to do the dialogues, this girl that does all the dialogues. When he first started, they looked really bad. Um, and then once I found her, she's a professional and she did all the speech bubbles. And the comic looked so much more professional once I found her. So that really kind of gives it more of a legitimate feel to it. And uh, she, you know, she does great work and, and then, so, yeah, it's just kind of like the three of us, um, the writer, and I, I, I'm the writer and do the music, and then um, Benedict Vanna, the, um, the artist, does the artist, and then the, the girl, Quen Tang does the uh, dialogue. So, yeah, all, all together, um, it's uh, on a real wireframe type of budget or, or as, as far as time goes, create something that, like, a lot of times you see, like, a team of, like, 12 to 20 people, you know, working on. So, it's, uh, you know, amazing what you can pull off as, a, like, a real indie, you know, I have, like, like I said, no comic background just was learning about this made fire comic tool, um, just came across it and figured if I get an artist, I can pull it off. And it just kind of happened to work. So, uh, you know, it's kind of, kind of amazing that, you know, make something that wasn't completely hated by comic critics, <laughs> and, you know, especially fans can be really picky. So, you know, that was great.
1: But, you know, it's like the thing of sometimes people don't realize they want something different until they discover it.
0: Yeah. And I think people appreciated that this is coming from, just, um, you know, we wanted to pull off something awesome, we put a lot of work into it. So I think people just have kind of appreciated it, despite it being kind of different than the mainstream. And yeah, now we're trying to figure out, you know, the right way to go with it as far as we might turn it into a full animated movie. The whole idea is to combine music and art. So it's just been trying to find the um the right medium. And for now, Motion Comics have been the best. Um, I kind of want to still go back to print, too. So I've been looking for a publisher that would take us on, because I think we could sell comics with codes to download the soundtrack there's all kinds of unique opportunities but i haven't found the right person that's kind of you know open to that outside the box type of marketing
1: right finding a publisher can be tough and you know talking to a lot of self-publishers that's also tough but you know hopefully you do find somebody who's willing to take it on but the soundtrack i was checking someone out of band camp and it's really really fun
0: yeah the music is a unique combination of electronic music and a lot of other influences there's some hip-hop there's some uh, metal and some other influences. Really, it's t- trying to take like that again back to the '80s and the '90s, that horror sound, like the John Carpenter stuff, and not necessarily copy it at all, but just we're trying to work in that in that kind of format of that really fun kind of music. Like I just watched uh, Big Trouble in Little China.
1: Oh, I love that movie so much!
0: It's fun. It's just a fun movie. Those those type of movies, uh, the John Carpenter stuff. I mean, so much of that mu- stuff is music driven. Those scenes, you know, that you really love, are music-driven, and without the music, there it would be so empty. Um, and I, th- I think I saw you tweeting something earlier about a lot of TV shows missing out on, um, you know, a really good theme, and that's really true. Uh, it seems like they had just half-assed it with a lot of that kind of stuff, where you know, music is an integral part to an action story, to a horror story. The whole *Insidious* franchise really got that right with the sound effects and the music. You can just go in and listen to it alone and it's a fun time, you know?
1: Growing up for so many movies that I was a big fan of, I remember like after go seeing a movie, I'd go find the nearest music store and pick up the soundtrack And, you know, as I grew up, though, a lot of the soundtracks were, like, not even necessarily from the movie. Like, I remember what was a really fun one. Like, let's say Batman Forever, but that was more of, like, music inspired by the soundtrack. And then as I got older, then it started to find, like, the actual scores to movies. I mean, some films or some scenes in films are great without music. Because sometimes the music can sort of diminish the experience. But yet, there's nothing better than taking a soundtrack... And not even just listening to it in the same context as the film, but just applying it to, like, let's say, there have been times where I've written stories and used, let's say, the Matrix soundtrack as an example, or even, I don't know, just even something that's, like, a weird. Like, um, shoot, what was the other soundtrack I was listening to the other day that I'm even shocked I remembered? I think it was, like was it maybe lethal? yeah it was lethal weapon that's right
0: oh you nice. know like
1: eric clapton and like you know eric cameron because that was really fun because it was a action movie but yet the soundtrack is like almost like pretty much just jazz
0: yeah i remember that during the movie too you're like parts of the movie are real serious but you're kind of like having fun with it because of the soundtrack and you know a lot of it i mean plus the comedic parts but uh and i like the idea of also you can relive the story through the soundtrack. Like, for me, the, the Lost Boy soundtrack was probably my favorite soundtrack of all time. Is right when I was a kid. It was the right kind of music. I grew up with a friend in Santa Cruz. We'd go there every weekend. And it was, like, filmed right there. The music was just... It just felt right. So um, that's one thing I wanted to do with Dark Moon is um, someone could, like, experience the whole comic. But then re- kind of relive it and kind of, like, you know, um, through the soundtrack. And then relive it even with a print comic They could you know kind of relive it in that kind of way too or or check it out in a different format but yeah that's that's kind of the idea and yeah definitely there has to be pauses too and there's great scenes without music uh like alfred hitchcock was really good at that you know it's kind of the combination you have to have the pauses to set up the the powerful moments and but sometimes i see a lot of horror movies now they're going to this no soundtrack thing all the time and i think they think it adds to the creepiness and it kind of does It adds a little bit to the creepiness, but it takes away from the fun immensely. So I think it's not a good trade-off. You know, like a lot of the movies don't have to be any more freaky; they they just have to be a little more fun, or a lot more fun a lot of the times. So so, I mean, I think that that's a thing that people are doing that they're making mistakes now with with leaving music out for these like long scenes where it's just kind of you know kind of Blair Witch type stuff. To me, when
1: it came to sci-fi and it came to horror. It was less about the special effects, but more about capturing the mood. Yeah, exactly. The first alien. What made that movie so great is you really felt claustrophobia. Like, here they are on, like, this derelict ship. You know, they're clearly being hunted by something. And, you know, it was less of, you know, a bunch of people gunning down aliens. Which, I mean, the second movie is still amazing, don't get me wrong. But that first movie just really just, you felt terrified. Because of the fact that you had no idea what the hell was going to happen next.
0: Yeah, I actually just rewatched that again, too. And the amount of detail they went into on every scene was is just crazy. There's a movie on the first Dune that they tried to make. The first version of Dune was this crazy director had the rights to it, and he did, like, this graphic novel of Dune. And, but he assembled the team that eventually went on, like, uh, Geiger and uh, some of the other guys that went on to do Alien. But it was part of, like, planning for Dune. This crazy version of Dune that never happened, but I forgot the full name of that movie. That's a really cool uh, kind of background thing that I didn't know about with Alien. And I think the mood is missing from a lot of these new movies where, um, like Insidious and some of these other ones, they have it. Conjuring kind of has, uh, you know, they're trying to make a mood. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of times a lot of movies are missing it. And it, it's really like, it should be the Square One, you should kind of have that and then move from there. And one of the things I learned from Stephen King, I read his book on writing, and you got to get the mood right, but then also you got to have the story – like there's some movies where it's all mood and like there's no story. So it's about the right balance. It's kind of like you have to have the mood go somewhere as opposed to just kind of sitting there in this drenched – because some of these like 70s horror movies – it's just all strange camera angles and mood, and it's just, I mean, the story's kind of like, whatever, you know, I don't know.
1: Yeah, and I'd imagine it's tough to kind of capture both of those, because 9 out of 10 times, it's one over the other. And I almost think about the movies that we do love, and, like, do you ever wonder, like, maybe some of that stuff that we think of as being genius and really forward-thinking, I wonder how much of it really came apart by accident, you know? <laughs>
0: Totally. I think most things are kind of like there were happy accidents, at least for me from a music background. I mean, the best things you can you have happen are accidents, because otherwise you're just writing a straight ahead, boring song. And, uh, you know, the best thing you can happen is you play something different or mess up. Um, and that's where you find something cool happening. And I'm sure it's the same with uh, making movies uh, and, and all of that different creative aspects is kind of the happy accidents are the, are the thing you do it for almost. How long have you been playing? I've always been a bass player, pretty much. I you know, started out, my, actually, my school had a an amazing jazz band, and I barely knew how to play, but they really schooled me on uh, learning to play. And then um, I got into ska punk. Um, I found, uh, there was a band actually kind of locally well-known uh, back in the 90s. So I actually got involved with them, and we did some touring and everything, and it was great, because they already had the connections, and I got a taste for that and just loved it. Oddly enough, after that band, I never ended up playing live, except for, like couple weird gigs you know here and there every once in a while but uh never really joined a band again after that so i was like pretty much done so it's been like i'm uh, 38 now it's been years and years and years where i mainly have just been recording i actually work kind of in the music industry I, I test music software for a living um and i've just been this kind of behind the scenes just i do uh engineering mixing mastering and stuff and just kind of stay uh you know behind the scenes and i've just been making my own music i put it out But just recently, I've been kind of getting a recipe that I've really liked, that I've been kind of sharing it more. Um, I've had a couple odd successes. Um, I did an album in 2010 that on my iPhone, it was a full album, and it was like one of the first albums that, that anyone tried on an iPhone, and it came out really cool. And I got a bunch of press. It went in like magazines, newspapers, and all that stuff. It was kind of like a proof of concept, like, can I do it? And this is back with iPhone 3, you know, where there's a lot of limits nowadays, like anyone can do it. And it's, you know, it's pretty awesome. I love making music on uh, iPads and uh, I- iPhones to this day. It's, it's kind of a fun, fun thing. And and then the other thing that I did that was kind of cool was um I did a rap music video with Rappin' Forte from the <laughs> Players Club hit from like the 80s or something from a long time ago. <laughs> but he's an awesome guy. He's an interesting cat. I just ran into them, and we did a song called Hustlevania with some other rappers, and we did a zombie music video. I should have sent you a link to this. It's pretty fun. Um, <laughs> I'll send you one after this. The whole theme of the song was kind of like this Halloween zombie, Walking Dead theme, and and we have people getting eaten, and there's rappers you know, just staying with the theme. It's just kind of a... I've always kind of liked to combine my love of horror with my love of hip-hop, and um, just see where that kind of stuff goes. This is a song that's like kind of like a halloween anthem and so it came out really cool and it almost got on kmel we had a lot of fun pushing it it was on world star hip-hop awesome got like i forgot like over 100,000 views like maybe 200,000 because we put it out right on halloween and actually double listed it they put it up twice so it got a ton of views so it was a lot that was a lot of fun since i did that that's when i came up with the idea for dark moon i uh had been doing a lot of music Trying out these different ideas, the music videos is really where it's. I started doing these music videos, and I'm like, I like the combination of my music and this art. But I mean, I, I felt limited doing live action because I the stories I kind of wanted to show are stuff you, it's too expensive to try to pull off in live action. Right. Exactly. Yeah, for someone drawing it though, you know, the sky is the limit. So uh, that's where it actually kind of started out it was almost like a music video. What can this turn into? And it kind of led to a motion comic eventually. The funny thing was I originally released Dark Moon as a music release that happened to have a comic. But everyone loved the comic part more – like not more than the music, but they kind of like were like, this comic is cool. So I ended up kept going with it, even though it was just kind of meant as a one-off music release. But people liked the comic so much, I'm trying to finish now, finish the story. So now I've been trying to pull that off for like the last two and a half years now, trying to like kind of tell this whole story. And it's just been kind of a crazy ride, you know. So, you know, I kind of accidentally fell into the comics world, you know. I've always been a fan of comics but never expected to make one. So how many episodes is this going to be? So we've done three so far. Each one takes a lot of time because it has an individual soundtrack. Money kind of keeps it from going faster because, you know, I wish I I could – I used to draw as a kid. I wish I kept that up because, you know, I mean I have to pay an artist to do the, the, the work. So, you know, kind of, we might have to do a Kickstarter for the next episode or we might just turn it right into a movie and go from there. But, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, um, we'd like to go even faster than we can. But it takes about six months either way with all the soundtrack work. Oh, we create our own sound effects from scratch. A lot of times the sound effects, like the teleporter, are made with analog synths or modular um, synthesizers. So it's really kind of a back-to-the-70s type of way of doing stuff. So, you know, it takes a lot more time than kind of just um, like you could, I could just download a sound effect off the internet or something like that, but I'm trying to, you know, kind of craft this type of unique vibe. So yeah, about six months is about what it takes for each one. Um, so we're trying to do number four now, but I'm I'm trying to decide whether to do the movie first. That'll give us all the images to do number four or do number four, then do the movie. So I'm trying to kind of figure that out right now. So it'll also have voice talent too. That's one of the reasons I'm actually pursuing the movie is because I ended up running into Tony Todd, who played Candyman. Get the hell out. I ended up meeting up with him in L.A., and he did the trailer, and like he wants to do the full feature. And he has the perfect voice for the main character because it's supposed to be like this real stoic voice. So it really fits it perfectly. So once I heard that he's interested in doing it... I'm like we have to do this because we can do it on such a low budget compared to your average movie right one of the dead space movies had like a three million dollar budget or some ridiculous amount of money I'm like we are looking like we could do it all for like 50 grand tops like with Tony Todd with all the animation everything um and that would give us you know plenty of money to do it that dead space movie which was not that great <laughs> you, know, the, you know the last one they're like talking like three million or something like that for maybe five I'm like gosh. You know, just give us a portion of that money. <laughs> Our story is a lot more fun, kind of, you know. I mean, I like Dead Space Downfall. I think that was the first one or the earlier one. The Aftermath one was kind of weird. But yeah, so that's that's kind of the idea is get some voiceover actors, have some people do it in-house, friends and stuff, and then have a couple awesome characters. Um, you know, I see so many awesome actors available. You know, you can run into them right on Twitter. It's like so easy so, it's just such a small world. Like, that's how I have got involved with some of my childhood hero rappers as a kid. I've run into, I, you know, did mastering for Totally Insane, who I love listening to, and, and uh, ended up working on, you know, working on some of their albums. And it's just such a small world that I'm still looking for a couple other pieces for the voiceover. But, uh, you know, it adds so much because when you're animated, you have to have some characters, you know, it it right. really helps to have the voices, you know, be cool people.
1: Tony Todd, man, I mean, and it's funny, like, the name Tony Todd was like, holy shit, that's Candyman, this is the guy that gave me nightmares for,
0: like, five years straight. (laughs) Totally, he's got, like, the best voice, I mean, for a voiceover, it's, like, ideal, it was great running into him, and he's such a cool guy, too, meeting up with him, it was just such a laid-back deal to do it, that all came together, so I think having him actually do the whole movie would be really cool, because I think that'll give us some press, where, you know, people will actually kind of take it more seriously, a lot of those horror sites are pay-to-play or, you know, like um, Fangoria or some sites like that. They're, you know, unless you're uh, advertising with them, it's really hard to get in there, which is natural with any magazine. But uh, I think with Tony Todd, we have a better chance of getting kind of featured and, and looked at by the by the mainstream horror fan community. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, granted, there are only, what, like, I can't remember how many Candyman movies there were. I remember there were two, at least, that I remember seeing.
0: I've only seen number one, but uh, there are three at least that i know of there probably is a fourth
1: he's pretty much a legend in his own field and what's cool about him is he pops up in so much other stuff like you yeah. know he does a lot of like genre work but you know he's even popped up in some superhero type stuff or even like comic book things and it's so cool
0: yeah he's the voice of a uh, character in the uh, flash the tv show um he's the voice of zoom and also in transformers revenge of the fallen he was the voice of the fallen i think um, really yeah 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 he's definitely a voice character in that i think he plays the fallen dude he's all over he's still busy doing all kinds of comic book type stuff so yeah and that's one of the cool things about him too is he stays in the scene he does the horror conventions he does the comic book conventions so you know like i like a lot of times i you know i don't have the budget to go to a lot of these things i like to have people involved with our project that are actually out there at these events because i think it's so important to be uh you know, meeting and greeting with people and doing these kind of cool things. You know, he actually just likes the stuff he works on and he likes the community. I want to work with a dude like that, you know, as opposed to uh, a lot of the other characters that are just doing it for money or whatever.
1: And that's really important to anything really is getting behind it and it's really supportive. And I think that also makes a difference because seeing so many people jazzed about it, like matter of fact, what's the movie um, or the series that just came out on Netflix uh, as a stranger things, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching something on Netflix, and it was just about over. And just as it was done, a trailer for it popped up. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is this show? Like, why am I seeing trailers for this? And I hit the exit button so fast because I'm like, okay, you're kind of getting in my way here. (laughs) Next, day, <laughs> so next thing you know all of a sudden like it's blown up on like especially social networking like at least yeah. on twitter so now it's kind of becoming its own little bit of a phenomenon but granted it takes people really looking at it and just truly you know singing its praises
0: sometimes it's good to let like let someone else find out if it's good or bad first though because i know i've jumped on something that's come out right away and i'm going like it sounds perfect And then you watch and you're like, oh, God, it's horrible, you know. So uh, (laughs) sometimes it is good to kind of sit back and let someone else try it first. And I've apparently heard good things about it. I mean, people are talking about it. I haven't read a lot of direct reviews, but uh, it sounds interesting. I definitely want to check it out.
1: With sci-fi and horror, they're pretty dedicated. Yeah horror isn't necessarily like my biggest fandom but you know i I enjoy the classics but again once you throw sci-fi into the mix and it's funny you can tell the exact same story throw a spaceship in it and and unless it's jason x i'm usually behind it
0: (laughs) (laughs) i like jason x too no but uh, i love sci-fi horror i mean you almost can't go wrong with the whole genre it's just an awesome combination because i'm a huge horror fan and i'm a sci-fi fan uh so it's just like the perfect it's like You know, chocolate and peanut butter or something. It just doesn't get better than that. Unless the
1: chocolate and peanut butter, like, ruined your life. Like, what was the movie I saw as a kid? Event Horizon.
0: Oh, I love that movie. But it's freaky, right? Yeah. I tried rewatching it on Netflix. I'm
1: thinking to myself, you know what? I was a kid. I was easily scared. I tried to watch it now. It's scarier now.
0: It's a disturbing, disturbing movie. Yeah, it is freaky. It's really freaky. And I love that. I love where I'm scared to death. Like, uh, for horror movies, like, my mom let me watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, when I was, like, 12 or something, and, like, I was scared to death, and I love that. Like, that feeling of, like... I can't get any more scared than this. You know, it's just like this visceral feeling. Right. Uh, so yeah, Van Horizon does that where you're like creeped out. You're just like, Oh my gosh.
1: That's like my dad made me watch the thing.
0: Like the John Carpenter one. Oh, that, that movie has such a, it's like, you don't know it's dark when you're an adult kind of, I mean it is, but as a kid, even it's just so freaky. Yeah. It's just, it's got so much. I know I watched that as a kid too. It's just, Oh yeah. <laughs> That's a great movie. As far as soundtrack too. That's another movie. Like I actually rewatched parts of that. I studied parts of that as far as when I'm looking at the movie and looking at the trailer and how to pull everything off. Like some of those scenes, like the the opening scene where it's just that, like that dark synth. And they have helicopter and just like – I can just watch that five minutes of the movie and I remember everything. And I I, I got the whole experience from the movie back just by that opening theme. The same with The Shining. That uh, Like the flyover with the the um, Wendy uh, Carlos music, the electronic music, and it's, oh, like that weird <laughs> Indian thing that you do. But um, those scenes, like, it's more than the sum of its parts almost. Like, you take the shot, you take the music, you put it together, and something, you know, happens. And it's like, it takes you to a world that, you know, it's a unique place. So, uh, but yeah, that's the kind of, like, I'm trying to create those moments with uh, with Dark Moon. Like, The Thing definitely has some of those, which... I watched it kinda recently, but I just the thing is so dark that you have to really wanna watch it. It's a, it's a it's a tough one to jump back into.
1: Yeah, and I think that's actually a testament to how good a product is, especially when it comes to horror. Because yeah. I mean there's some that are kinda like comfort food, like okay, I've seen this a bajillion times, I know what happens. It maybe doesn't phase you in the way that it did when the first watched it but like I said, there's a reason why I don't watch Event Horizon a lot. There's a reason why even the thing still kinda bugs me out. I don't know. There's just something about that. And I know for a fact that it couldn't really happen, but you know, this is like that paranoia behind it.
0: That's a cool feeling. And it's kind of good to be kind of like, I have some movies like exorcist. I have not been able to watch again. Nope. I'm uh, not, you know, but it's cool to have that where you're like, you know, there's kind of like a limit there or something where it's just like, yeah, that's as creepy as I want to get with this stuff. And there's other movies like that. Um, have you seen, by the way, uh, speaking of kind of horror movies, and I know you love music and your background of music, uh, but, uh, have you seen Green Room?
1: And that's another one I miss. You know, every time a horror movie comes out, I'd say to myself, you know what? I'm probably not gonna check this out. But then, like, yeah. that's another one, you know, going back to Stranger Things, where people really got behind. And I, I really wish I had gotten my way to see it, but I've heard soundtrack, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, soundtrack's fun, and it's just kind of like one of those... I mean, I kind of like it just from the, um, the band perspective, the band's out. It veers off from that, eventually, but, uh... Just to kind of feel like a band randomly like taking a van up to a you know a strange place and then seeing what happens. It just kind of a it's kind of a cool um, w- because of the music elements to it just kind of give it a different vibe. But then it kind of just takes it to a different place and it's one of those movies. It's not like a, a groundbreaking movie or the best movie ever, but it kind of has this cool vibe to it. I relate when I was a kid to like playing at places I had no idea who's going to be there and you don't know what you're really getting yourself into. Like I remember. You tour in a band and sleeping at people's houses you have no idea what you're going to walk into and some of the places were pretty grody and you know and there's some crazy things you end up doing and i so was, that's kind of a fun aspect of that movie
1: and that's something i didn't really think of or even know coming into it i had heard so much about it but i didn't really talk to anybody who had seen it so it was a yeah. lot of people on social networking raving but yeah i didn't really know what it entails so knowing that now i really have to check it out
0: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun, especially for people that like live music, like music, and just kind of like that vibe of everything. A punk band going to the wrong show.
1: (laughs) And I like that. I like the fact that even now there's some people who are really stretching the genre out a little bit and doing things differently with it. And no disrespect to anybody who may work in those, but, you know, how many haunted, abandoned buildings or exorcism movies are we possibly going to do? So I I think we're due for another shakeup in the horror genre.
0: Totally, yeah, and there's been some really good signs that, like, there's these creative movies coming out. Like, there's been enough coming out regularly that it's, like, it keeps it exciting. Um, but there's a lot of garbage, too, and a lot of those movies. I hate when you know exactly how a movie's going to go from start to finish. I can't even watch most of them because you're like, there's just nothing to it, you know? So, yeah, I like that they, they keep switching things up. Um, I, I You know, I think uh, with James Wan, that guy, he's doing some really good stuff. I think the 2000s kind of started getting really like into this torture porn style, just grisly murders. Which some of those movies I do like, but um, I kind of prefer more of just kind of a, a more of a fun aspect, or uh, or at least kind of like um what's that other movie um with like two cops and uh, Joel McHale is one of the cops. Joel McHale. Really, Community? Joel McHale. Yeah, he's one of the cops in this, and he plays a really good dark role. And I and I was just amazed by the quality of the movie. What's it called? Um, something about evil, Deliver Us from Evil. I think it's called. I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, Deliver Us from Evil. That's a really good new horror movie. Speaking of vibe, the whole movie's got vibe. Um, it's got Joel McHale, and uh, it's kind of like it's just it just kind of uh, has a lot of the elements I like going on in that movie.
1: Joe McHale, I was a huge fan of him on Community in the Soup, and I think that's actually kind of a selling point, because if you think about that movie, it's like, okay, Joe McHale isn't known for being a horror actor. Oh,
0: yeah, it comes out of le- left field, yeah. I mean, shoot, cool. wasn't Patrick Stewart in Green Room? Yeah, yeah, Patrick Stewart's in Green Room, he plays this evil dude, yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's like, hey, I mean, shit, Picard in a horror movie? Sold. <laughs> right. And maybe that's it. Maybe they're just going to start throwing people who you normally wouldn't expect to be in those kind of movies.
0: Oh, yeah. Sometimes. I mean, I think the Joel McHale thing did add to it because I was like and, and the fact that he pulls it off and some characters just they just can't do different roles. But he pulls it off. He stays with it the whole time. It's a real kind of dark story. And, uh, you know, he, he he makes you believe it, which is cool, you know. I'm glad he, like, pulled off something that doesn't kind of typecast him, you know, as just a comedy dude.
1: Yeah, comedians tend to have that really good background of being able to handle drama. It doesn't seem to work too well the other way around, but I, I think you've pretty much sold me on that movie. I gotta check that out soon.
0: Totally, totally. Good.
1: The only thing that sucks is I'm kind of a baby. I know I probably won't want to watch it alone, but yet, I'm like, well, who am I gonna watch horror movies with?
0: Because, you know, a lot of new horror movies aren't that scary, but this one, Actually, Lives from Evil, is pretty freaking scary.
1: What was the last horror movie I really watched? I think it was maybe the Baba Duke. Oh, I never seen that. Never saw that.
0: I don't know. It's hard to say because
1: considering knowing what I've known and you've watched, I wouldn't necessarily say it's scary, but it's a really fascinating story. I really like what they did with it because from the advertisements and you know what I've seen the previews. I'm thinking it's going to be, you know, another kind of like slasher kind of thing. You know, people are just going to be dropping left and right. But it's really unique how they tell the story. And one thing I love about good horror is it's always really less about necessarily the thing that is antagonizing people as, you know, some of them are really good allegories. I would really recommend that one.
0: Yeah, horror is a great medium for like of uh, social issues or, or just any way of, Of posting a a crisis, you know, or of talking about a conflict. Horror movies are great for that.
1: And that's why I love, like, let's say George Romero. I mean, shit. I mean, as far as when it comes to social issues, wow, they think with each movie, even some of the more recent ones like Land of the Dead, which I know some people weren't too fond of, but yet what it was really about, like,
0: I loved every minute of that movie. It was about class warfare and everything. And yeah, George Romero is the king of all that. And I'm a huge fan of him not just for his movies but even just in um the original Night of the Living Dead casting a black actor at that time in that role i think it was late 60s uh you know civil rights movement all this stuff that was a very controversial thing cuz um that character slaps a white chick in the movie he pushed the boundaries of social issues you know way back then and um and i always loved that movie and i never looked at that movie and thought Oh, there's a black actor. You know, it was just even as a kid, it was just like, oh, there's a guy trying to save these other people from zombies. He was, uh, you know, one of the first people to do that, you know, unafraid to just kind of jump in.
1: We're so used to seeing things a certain way. And sometimes we forget that that wasn't always the way it was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Someone had to originally try it out. And there was a good documentary on it. I forgot what it's called about the making of that. And I was like, well, I never really realized those kind of things were such a big deal. That documentary has some good stuff about that way the movie uh, caught fire, too. It was just uh, one of these low-budget movies that just blew up. It's kind of interesting.
1: Thanks for taking the time out. And before we go, please let everybody know once again where they can check out Dark Moon and any other sites you want to plug.
0: Yeah, you can check us out at um, darkmooncomic.com. is a great place to start. And uh, we're mostly active on Twitter. So it's at uh, darkmooncomic. Um, and I'm Free Freematic with a K. F-R-E-E-M-A-T-I-K. So yeah, uh, hit us up anytime. We got comics and music to share.
1: That'll do it for this episode of Adrian Has Issues, and we will see you next issue. Hey guys, I'm Adrian.
0: And I'm his issues.
1: Wait, what? Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm... Wait, wait, that's not right. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm Eileen. Tune in to the Adrian Has Issues podcast. Each week we chat with some great people. Including me from time to time. Comic book creators, comedians. Musicians and actors. Tax collectors, Zamboni drivers. <sighs> point is basically anyone willing to sit down for a geeky discussion or two on all things pop culture visit adrian has issues.com where you can download and stream every episode especially the ones featuring yours truly visit adrian has issues on facebook and twitter and subscribe to the podcast on itunes and stitcher please leave a rating and review and tell me how amazing i am us i mean us Oh, ah, am you're way cooler than i am anyway oh thanks babe Oh, and Adrian Has Issues is also a proud member of the Tangent Bound Podcast Network. Awesome. Nice say, Brodor. <sighs> Visit AdrianHasIssues.com.